What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm joined by Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham. And yet again, on a Thursday, Danny Ainge had to answer a bunch of tough questions about his team blowing yet another game. What did you guys think of Ainge's press conference? He was asked a bunch of questions about who deserves blame, talked about the players, Brad Stevens, quite a few other things. What were some of your biggest takeaways? It was kind of standard stuff from Danny. Like, I feel like we've been going through the same thing over and over again. Nicole pointed out a couple weeks ago that they lose basically every Wednesday night and they lost again last night in a very similar fashion that they have it was kind of standard he said he puts a lot of the weight on the player's shoulders but like when it comes to responsibilities like it's on all of us and it's on me it's on brad so i feel like that has expanded a little bit whereas a couple weeks ago he took the blame now it's on him and brad and the players it's like all right now this is a full team effort like you could blame it on me a little while ago now it's on everyone the hosts really wanted to blame Brad in that interview. They were really trying to get Danny to say that it's Brad's fault, or they were really trying to get answers as to why this isn't Brad's fault. And Danny like wouldn't really give into that. Like he acknowledged Brad plays a role, but he was like, I think that the notion that the coach as a motivator, like that's overrated. I think we look at the player's self-motivation when drafting them and they should be able to get up for these games. Like I think the example he used, like, when a player lacks emotion after missing a shot, like the only thing Brad can do is just pull them from the game, whereas the player can sort of get themselves up. And I agree to that to an extent, but I feel like it's sort of the whole culture. I don't know if I'm blowing this out of proportion, but like, I do still think the coach can set the tone in that regard and building that sense of like accountability among the team the importance of like their collective identity. Like, I, I do think the coach plays a role in that. I, th- I think the coach plays a role in that. I mean, my take on this has kind of, has kind of shifted over the last like 24 hours, mostly because after the game, when we talked to the Celtics players, like, I mean, we talked to Jalen, we talked to Marcus, and we talked to Brad, all of them just kind of, they almost like threw up their hands and were just like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I they don't know all said, happening. I don't know. In all of their answers, they're like, I don't know. I honestly, like, I'm starting to feel like with this team, the expectations are too high. Like the expectation of like, even though, even of them being a good team, like this isn't like excusing anything. This isn't anything like that. I just am starting to think like these guys have been through a lot. They've had to deal with a lot of pressure. They're not doing it particularly well, but at the same time, like, I don't know, maybe we just need to be a little nicer because they're not a good basketball team. The expectations are too high in that you, they, cannot contend for a championship like that should never have been in the conversation I guess like that was unfair but like I think it's totally fair to still criticize them because they shouldn't be this bad like they shouldn't be eighth in the east 23 and 25 like look at the teams like the Hornets the Knicks the Hawks like they're better like they are better than those teams and they should not be in this situation so I I think it's fair to criticize their I'm I'm not convinced they are better. I I think they should be better though they should be better I think it's still fair to criticize them. Like, I don't think that it's necessarily like unfair to place those expectations on them. 
any other season, I would agree with you. I'm starting to wonder if like, I mean, the, the, the things that we're hearing from the players about like how, I mean, we, you know, Marcus a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago said this team is going through stuff behind the scenes that like, you know, nobody's, nobody understands like that kind mm. of thing. It would help from an evaluation standpoint if we knew what those things were, but I don't know. I, I mean, like one of the quotes from smart last night, you know, he said, we're trying, like I said before, we feel it, we hear it. We're out there giving it everything we've got. It might not look like it from looking in, but we are. We're fighting a lot of people. It's us versus everybody. So it gets heavy. You've just got to continue to keep going. It's one of those things where it's like, that's just obviously not a guy who's having any fun playing basketball. I, I, I think they feel all the pressure and like, they're kind of cracking under it. But like, I mean, this might like, this might sound like I'm excusing them, but who hasn't, who among us hasn't cracked this year? You know, like we can criticize them until we're blue in the face and we should. They're a bad basketball team filled with good players. And that's bizarre. Like that shouldn't be happening. But at the same time, it's like, I'm going to have a hard time this year being like, well, you guys should be doing X, Y, or Z. Because how, I don't know. I, I don't know how I can say that to someone given everything that's happening. I totally sympathize with everybody involved, like not even just on the Celtics. Like obviously this year has sucked and the players clearly are feeling it too. So I, I totally sympathize with the team and what they have to go through. However, I don't think the expectation for them to be better than what they are is unreasonable. There still has to be some, I don't want to sound like a cop right now, but like there still has to be like some standard here and like look at across the NBA, like not every team is imploding. I think you can sympathize, but also acknowledge like they should be doing better. They definitely should be doing better. Like they definitely are below their expectations. I do think there's something to be said kind of to what Jalen said after the game last night, where he was complaining a little bit about like the negative questions, like again and again, because I do think that a lot of the criticism towards this team, it's a like very high level. And it's almost, uh, I don't want to say it's like a microcosm of like Celtics fans online, but it seems like we like panic after every game. Like, Oh, like, why is this keep happening? If everyone would just kind of at this point, lower the expectations a little bit, I think it would put everyone more so on the same plane because this team, the three of us have said it a lot. They're not good. They are talented on paper, but they're not good. And so at some point, if you're Jalen Brown talking to everyone after a game on a Zoom call and you're getting the same questions every single time, saying, why is this happening? Why is this happening? It's like, right, well, just like, let us try to figure it out. You know, we're not that good right now. So like, stop asking us the same question. So that kind of stuck out to me from last night's game after the game, because I totally understand where he's coming from. It's like, you can see nothing's changing. So like, I don't know. It felt like he was almost asking us, like, you guys change your approach until we change our approach. Like, we're having a hard time. And like Marcus Smart said, we're trying. We're not just, we're not doing this on purpose. I'm, I'm starting to think that we need to evaluate this team on like every level at the most honest way we can. So if you look at the situation that they are in, it's a brutal situation. Their cap is in trouble. Evan Fournier like better be really good because otherwise like I don't I don't know what we're doing here there's a realistic chance that like some of their core members like could get fed up with this and just want a change of scenery I don't think any of that is off the table all of that is true and at the same time I am just kind of like I don't know what we what like what to expect of them at this point and that's I'm not trying to and I'm again I'm not trying to excuse their performance or anything like that and they're not trying to excuse their performance like every time they come out they're like we don't want to make excuses we don't want to turn that into an excuse but at some point, it's just like, I just think that there's like, I think that this is a collective weight that is falling on this team. And yes, it's falling on everybody else too. And yes, like this team probably isn't handling it as well as other teams are. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not going to 
yell at the Celtics for not handling this extremely heavy weight. Well, there are all kinds of like really major problems here. And and I just, I don't think that like any of them are going to be solved, frankly, by Danny Ainge going on the radio and blaming his players or by the media asking them a million questions that like that sound exactly the same after every game. It's just, isn't going to work because this team isn't that good. And like that sucks for everyone involved. After listening to Danny, I actually like the fourth seed is still in reach. They're only two games behind the Hornets and Positive Nicole is here. The fourth seed really is in reach, though. They're, o- they're only two games back of the Hornets who don't have LaMelo Ball right now. The Heat are probably their biggest threat, but the Knicks and the Hawks, I still think that the Celtics are better teams than those two teams. I mean, they have 24 games left. They could make up that ground if they get full health. And that's something that Danny finally harped on in this interview. I think before he like really shied away from making excuses and he never really acknowledged like this team has not been healthy. And he... He said, like, that's what we need at this point. So who knows? Like, maybe when they do have consistent rotations and just a full squad of players, things will come together. And if they genuinely are trying, then yeah, like, you would think that this could turn into something. But they're 10 games back of the Nets in first place and seven and a half games back of the Bucks in third place. So like, best case scenario here really is the fourth place matchup but like I'm not ruling that out just yet I'll be honest this team could get fully healthy and do okay and maybe pull up to the fourth seed I have negative faith in this team like they've given me like zero reason even if they do get to the fourth seed where like I could be like oh maybe they could pull one out like I really just don't think this team is very good and even when they get healthy like and if they were to make a tiny run I have zero postseason faith in this group at all the Celtics could still get the fourth seed. And I'm just kind of like, but why though? <laughs> like, because they, they could lose their first two games at home. It would be more fun. You it would know be what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like they could certainly do it. They could get to that point. But I mean, at some point, like I think this actually kind of goes part and parcel with admitting that this team isn't that good. And maybe we just need to be nicer. Is that the way to build this team into something good is like, I mean, it's going to be a lot easier if you have a good draft pick. I know, that, yeah. that makes it easier to trade for somebody good. That makes it easier to like, that makes it easier to like, you know, strip down to like some parts. Like talking about getting to the fourth seed at this stage, it, it just feels so like, just, but why? They're not going to do is, anything with it. Like, because they're not that good. Like the, Bo- the Boston Celtics conversation with this season among the three of us, at least starting to sound like a lot of the chatter amongst myself and my fellow Wizards friends. Like, this is what we talk about every year. Well, do we really want to get the sixth seed when we could just tank and go get a draft pick and maybe, like, help us out for the future? It it sounds a little similar. And with how bunched up this season is, like, we're talking about the fourth seed or tanking. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Four seeds in between the Celtics. A home, uh, like, a home court advantage or tanking. (laughs) To me, that's almost kind of where I I think – I mean, you can, you can disagree and, and I'm sure I'll get, if I ever voiced this take on Twitter, I'm sure I would get a bunch of people, uh, you know, calling me a, a wuss or whatever, but at some point it's like, I don't know. I I'm starting to really feel bad for these guys. The expectations are really high for a team that just isn't that good. And that's tough, especially when things just keep going wrong and they keep trying to fix it. And I think maybe the answer is just like, this isn't going to work. There is something very cruel though about fans coming back to TD Garden at this point in the season because you see like Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart posting like we can't wait to have our fans back we've missed you guys so much like sixth man of the year and then they just go in and boo them and yell at them (laughs) it was amazing last night I think it it was either Jalen or Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart was at the free throw line in the third quarter and it got like relatively quiet 
because they were at the line, you know, you don't want to distract your home team at the free throw line. And someone just screamed, show us you care. At the top of their lungs, it just echoed throughout the arena. It was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> Everybody just wants to watch some hoops and feel good. And like the Celtics team, you can't feel good watching them. Like they are not a feel good story. No, they make it very hard to enjoy basketball when you're watching it. And like, I guess we can get into last night's game in particular now, unless you guys had anything else from Danny. Only other Danny thing I had was, so whichever of the two Celtics that he mentioned that probably aren't going to get the vaccine, just get the vaccine. For the love of one of one of few times I have agreed with Boston Sports Radio when it was either Touch or Rich was like, Danny, you got to talk to him. You got to talk to him. I I actually agreed with them for once. I was shocked Danny even like said that publicly. Like he easily could have said, yeah, like most players are going to get it in the next few weeks. And then he added, I think there will be at least a couple that don't want to get it. (laughs) It made me think that he wants like people to put pressure on, Mm -hmm. like like, to like start start tweeting at everyone. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, we didn't get into last night's game. I mean, the Celtics, they had as, I mean, they followed the same script. This was part of the problem. This is why, and this is part of the reason why Jalen was like, I don't know what you guys want me to say, is because it was the same script as like every Celtics game this season. They let go of the rope for like 10 straight minutes, whatever it was. The Mavericks went up by as many as 23. The opposing team's star went absolutely bonkers. Like Luka Doncic was unbelievable. The Celtics roared back, you know, in the fourth quarter, like everybody knew they would. They came up a little short, like everyone knew they would. That was it. I mean, did you guys see anything that uh, that stood out to you? My first reaction was that Geno Times batting average stays very, very good because we we were kind of all over this before the like the obvious, obvious trend started where they were doing this seemingly every night. We were like, anytime this team gets punched, they have no idea what to do with it. And that was even apparent when they were sticking with teams or against the Pelicans earlier in the year when they have a big lead and they blow it. Like they have no idea what to do when they get punched, regardless of the circumstances. And so my reaction was, yeah, this seems like a relatively newish trend because they've been doing it a lot lately, but like, it's really not like they, this team all year has had no idea how to respond to any adversity and they just kind of fall flat. Last night was very apparent on national television. Not great. But that being said, there is only so much you can do about a guy like Luca. Like he was hitting shots from the logo with defenders in his face. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do with that. That last three he hit over Kemba was like, yeah, absurd. <laughs> what, are, what are you supposed to do? Brad's response to that was to say, you know, I, I wish our guys would have more resolve, would, would, would react to these types of things better. Would just kind of tip your cap and go back down and try to get a great shot on the other end. And I mean, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of where I come back to the emotional exhaustion portion of this. Like, it feels like when the Celtics get hit, they're just like, I can't deal with any more of this. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've seen enough from these guys of them responding well to getting punched in the mouth. I, I do kind of wonder, like, what that means about this season, that this season they just can't. Apologies if Gino time has sounded like a broken record for the past two months, because I feel like we harp on the same things, just like, I remember our conversation about whether it's entitlement or identity. And I feel like that question is still relevant today. So it's really hard for them to like diagnose it, I guess. But one particular play that stood out to me in terms of effort was when I forget at what point in the game it was, but basically like Jalen was on the sideline, like about to go out of bounds, was looking for any sort of help. And Kemba just did not move like one bit until Jalen chucked the ball at him he tried to get it. Obviously, I think it was Maxi Kleber. Like the Mav got it and then went to the hoop and Kemba fouled him. That just shows that that is just such a clear example of them either not being like 
locked in or whatever it is, but they're just not there for each other. They're just not paying attention. They just don't care enough. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, that's exactly right. And that, and that clip was really, I mean, it was, it was really, I, I mean, damning, I guess. Cause like you said, Nicole, it did feel like it really kind of exemplified a lot of the things that are, that are wrong with this team. And then yeah, Kleber comes down, Kemba fouls him hard, like out of frustration. And it's like, well, like I definitely understand being frustrated, but at the same time, like you could have been in a better spot to help do yeah. out. Brad keeps harping on resolve. And I think that's probably about right. Like they're having trouble, like getting their resolve, getting their desire to, to do this because like they are talented enough to win games. They just don't, I don't know. Like they can't handle these little stretches, I guess. It would be so much easier if it was one or two players that were the consistent yeah. negatives moving forward. It's super difficult to try and figure this out or try and point the finger because it really is, it's a different group every single time. Like the Celtics last night made their run to really get back into this game without Jalen or Jason Tatum on the floor. So like the reserves brought them back into the game. Like, I don't know. It's different every single game, but it is consistently shitty. So it's like, how do we analyze this? It's very difficult. I'm super, super glad I don't work in the Celtics front office or on their coaching staff because it would be miserable. You think it's hard for us to enjoy this team playing basketball? Try those guys. I feel like I've seen a lot of jokes during the pandemic and like just during quarantine of like, imagine if somebody woke up from a coma and you showed them this headline. And that's what I was thinking last night when a colleague, Julian Bembo, texts me and he goes, I do not watch a lot of the Celtics, but this lineup is something. And the lineup was Cornette, Fournier, Neesmith, Pritchard, and Tatum. (laughs) Imagine if a Celtics fan went in a coma in like the 2018-19 season and then woke up yesterday. Like, is that Luke Cornette? (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be as that Luke Cornette. It would be like, who is this big (laughs) players? (laughs) Very fair. Very fair. I, I don't really have anything else to say about like, this team. I feel like I don't really feel like I have any extra analysis to offer about it. Like, cause I feel like part of the thing is that like analysis implies that there's something that can be done. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, right. There's something that can be done. Or that like they're trending in a certain direction or <laughs> we can expect something different. Like, I feel like we know exactly what this team is like. That's kind of what I was getting at with the playoff expectations before. Like, yeah, this team could make a like a, a little run or the Hornets could slide or whatever, and the Celtics could grab the fourth seed. But, like, we still know who this team is. It's pretty clear, I think, at this point what our expectations should be around this team and what this group is going to give you on a night-to-night basis. Oh, they're only, like, four games out of the fourth seed. But you look at, like, then how many games are they out of the third seed? The gap between them and the number three seed in the Eastern Conference feels like seven and a half games. Like, just mm-hmm. from a, from how good the teams are, like, that that is an appropriate gap. And I, and I wonder how much of that has trickled down to the players, too. Like, I wonder how much the players have just kind of realized, like, like you know, we're going to keep working, we're going to keep trying, but, like, we're not that good. Because if you if you have that realization, I feel like it is over for you as a team. Like, you're you're not coming back from from that. We, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, where there was a couple of games where it seemed like they were just kind of like going through the motions out there. I think our point about that still stands where we said they're both smart basketball minds. They get it. They probably realize like, hey, we're not that good. So it's kind of tough for us to give 110% at every single turn, especially when we're getting punched in the mouth. Like, I think that could totally play a role because they probably – I'm sure that has trickled down at least a little bit to the point where they realize like, hey, we're not that great. And we certainly don't compare to the teams at the top of our conference. So I, I bet that has an impact on them. I'd be shocked if it didn't. 
all these players on the Celtics, I mean, they've kind of seen both sides of the coin, right? Like they've seen teams where they're young and they're like energetic and they're like enthusiastic and they're talented and they're going to make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. And they've seen teams where everything is going wrong and nobody can quite put their finger on it and, 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 something, and something is just off when the entire season spirals. And I think maybe seeing both of those things, like they probably have a feel for what's happening right now and having a feel for what is happening right now probably makes it harder because they know that like the ship is kind of going down. They saw it in 2018, 19 and what happened in 2018, 19, they lost in the second round. So like getting to the second round is not the goal. I don't know. That must, I, I feel like that would be a really hard thing to motivate yourself. If you kind of know that going in, even if we win tonight's game, even if we win tomorrow's game, we're probably not getting to where we want to get to anyway. It would be kind of funny if they get the fourth seed or the fifth seed, sweep their first round opponent, win game one of the second round, and then just get smacked. <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. I mean, if they ended up in the sixth seed of that, no, no, never mind. I was trying to, I was trying to put a, put a scenario together where they face the Bucks again. Imagine being Evan Fournier, Mo Wagner, Luke Cornett. You're walking into this and you're listening to some of these post-game availabilities. You're listening, you're like, God, this kind of sucks. Like, this is pretty brutal. At least the people in Washington were okay with us being crappy if you're Mo Wagner. Brad touched on yeah, that last night. He was like, I, I feel bad for the new guys because yeah. like they're not at fault. For not their fault, yeah. Poor Mo Wagner. Last night, Rob is like a late scratch and they're like, all right, you're starting. He probably was just like, I don't know any of the defensive schemes. <laughs> the, the starting lineup graphic was hilarious. The Photoshop they threw him in on that, on the Celtics Twitter account and Instagram account, pretty funny. That was the highlight of the game as far as I'm concerned. Do you guys think, so I, the Celtics are definitely affected by health. They have not had any consistency. Mm -hmm. He talked about how there's been absolutely no continuity due to injuries and due to illnesses and all of that. If the Celtics had been healthy this whole time, do you think they would be better? Or do you think that if they got healthy now, that things would be fixed? Because I see Danny's point, but I, and, and he's right. And maybe if they, and maybe if they started healthy, they'd be okay now. But like, I just think that when they get healthy now, I just don't know what my expectations are for this team or if they're any better part of, and part of that's because there's only 20 games left. So there's only so much continuity you could build. But like, again, I just don't know how much better I think this team would be if they were fully healthy right now. No, I don't think they'd be much better. I think it's just from their perspective, like Danny Ainge's perspective, I think it's just kind of moving the goalposts at this point. And I think that's sort of a natural thing to do, but no. And honestly, I'm not, so sure if they were healthy at the beginning of the year and have had consistent health throughout the year, like I don't necessarily know how good they would be. I don't think it would be monumentally bigger. Sure. It would help because this, as we've talked about before, this team's margin for error is so, so tiny that they can't afford any injuries. Well, they had a bunch and they're not very good. So that being said, I don't know if the team above that margin is, is all that much better. Agreed. I think that was the point I was trying to make with like the possible contention for the fourth seed was that like, you know, if everyone gets healthy, you never know. But then when you actually think about it, there's only 24 games left. And also who are the guys that were trying to get back yeah. in yeah. terms of health? Oh, Tristan Thompson. Yay. <laughs> Romeo. Like, yeah. Romeo, yeah, Romeo <laughs> who could very well be a good player, but just he's not going to be, no matter what Romeo's ceiling is, no matter how good he might be in two seasons, I just can't see him coming in and saving the season. Exactly. So it's like, who are we really waiting for here? I mean, Rob, obviously you want to have every night, but I see Danny's point. It's not just like right now. It's like throughout the season, they've been without Marcus. Jalen has his knee issues and 
I don't know. I think the bigger thing for me is that there's just 24 games left at this point. That is that is a noteworthy point, though. It is somewhat comical that we're like, well, they got to get healthy. You look at the injury report, and it's like Romeo, Tristan, and Shemi. Like, oh. All right. Well, I don't know how much that's going to do for this team. Yeah. I kind of feel like them getting healthy is like that scene in Finding Nemo where all the fish have like bounced into the sea and they're all (laughs) in their little plastic bags and they're like, all right, now what? Now what? What do we do now? Yeah. We have no more things to tell the media. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, do you guys, do you guys have anything else you want to, you want to touch on? I think one thing we do need to touch on because we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it was the Marcus Smart heave. That was so funny. And Celtics fans got so angry. I I think that was genuinely so, so funny. And probably my favorite part of the season so far. I think it was easily the funniest part of the year so far. Like, yeah. I mean, again, in the moment, Celtics fans were so mad about it. And and I get it. I mean, it was, it was a boneheaded play and Marcus was not having a good game. So like, I understand like the, you know, I I understand that the feeling, if not like the level of vitriol, like, and then him gaslighting Kemba and and being like, no, it was like, I I don't even know what he was saying. He must've been saying that it was like, there were only 0.3 on the clock. Like, (laughs) like, I, I I would be curious to know, I wish he was mic'd up because I would love to know exactly what he said to Kemba because like what could his explanation have been that was that was an amazing moment you didn't hear about the universal shot clock change it's everyone's shot clock we had 0.32 yeah I will spend 69 million dollars on that nft if somebody wants to (laughs) yeah yeah also it was overlooked the fact that everyone knew that the pelicans weren't gonna jump for that jump ball so Peyton Pritchard just had to jump by himself and zip it up which was close to yeah it was hilarious too yeah that whole sequence, I mean, genuinely, like NBA top shots, that, that that one needs to be on there ASAP. Easily the play of the year for the Celtics. And it encapsulates their season, though. <laughs> it actually really does. You're right. Every Everything about that did kind of encapsulate. You had Peyton doing something he's probably shouldn't be put in a position to do. And then you have Marcus Smart trying his hardest, but doing everything completely wrong. You have Kemba trying to reason. And then you have Rob coming out of nowhere being like, no, we're good. We're good. Just trying to be the positive guy. Very, yeah, very on brand for this team. Rob coming out of nowhere and just doing the exact right thing. And everybody yeah. being like, oh, wait, Rob's doing the exact right yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then um, it led to a Brandon Ingram three. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> it, really did. it was a really costly moment for the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really did impact that game. Also, and, and I mean, <laughs> this is one of those like symbolism is dead moments, but Marcus throwing away that ball like the Celtics are throwing away their season is really like pretty spot on two on the nose. Uh, and, and, like Martin Scorsese would be like, this is this is bad. You guys need to make this less obvious. <laughs> well, on that note, I, I think we could probably wrap up. I guess for me, my, like my closing thought is just like this Celtics team is in trouble. And I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like. Uh, not, not to sound like too much of a hippie, but maybe all we all just need to be a little nicer to each other. This team is it doesn't seem to be getting better anytime soon. So uh, we will wrap. We will leave it there. Feel free to DM any of us with questions, comments or concerns, and uh, we will talk to you all again soon. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.